Welcome to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. Today's episode is with activist and filmmaker, Sana Foley. I've known Sana for several years now and was so excited to finally have her on the podcast. Uh, last I saw Sana was, uh, was during a production meeting uh, for, the, uh, for the documentary that Austin and I were working on a few years ago. And uh, I figured now, now is you know, a great time to be able to sit down and talk with her and kind of learn a little bit more about her. Uh, Sana and I first kind of uh, connected uh, through, through social media years ago um, because of some animal rights things that I had posted. And uh, yeah, we've been friends ever since. Uh, Sana, Sana is a really hard worker uh, when it comes to filmmaking, so and I always love seeing everything that she's working on. Uh, so we talked to her a little bit about how she got into filmmaking, talk a little bit about you know her passion behind animal rights and activism, um, even on the political spectrum. She worked a little bit uh, as a volunteer on the Bernie Sanders campaign, especially when he came through Salt Lake City. Uh, so it was great to talk to her and little, learn a little bit more about that. Um, and then, of course, we talked to her about Hellskate, a film that she's been working on for quite a while now, but trying to make sure that everything is is just right to be able to finally get this film out. I'm really excited to see it. Um, I'm going to be reading through some of it for her coming up here, and I'm really looking forward to finally sitting down and reading that script. Uh, but yeah, it was great to sit down and talk with Sana. She made the trek all the way down to my studio, which is like an hour away from where she lives. So I was really excited and, and honored to have her down here. So it was a great, great fun to be able to sit down and chat with her. I uh, hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Uh, make sure you do come out and say hi. I will be at Salt Lake Comic Con. Um, in the next week here, uh, September 21st through the 23rd, that uh, we'll be there doing some interviews, uh, talking to some of the guests they have there. Uh, I'm really excited for some of the guests coming up. Uh, Dick Van Dyke, Elijah Wood, Will Wheaton, um, John Cusack, just to name a few. Uh, yeah, it should, be, it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to talking to some of those guys. And yeah, we, we should have uh, you know, a whole slew of episodes coming up here. A lot of great comics um, that are going to be coming on the podcast in the, in the coming weeks. Uh, but for now, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode with Sana Foley. Again, make sure you follow her on all the social media links available on the website. Um, be able to see some of the cool projects that she is working on. Enjoy this episode with Sana Foley. We just talked like ten minutes yeah. of gold, and, and amazing magic. And but we, we've got plenty more. There's there's not anything we need to worry about. No. So because I, I I know we've chatted in the past and and I know we can go on for hours. So <laughs> like <laughs> legitimately like you could have me here all night. <laughs> so honestly though, I think the last talk time about I... myself. What? <laughs> me? Oh no. no no, I'm not comfortable doing that. <laughs> I think the last time I saw you, though, was when Austin and I were working on that documentary, and we were trying to figure out how the fuck to produce a documentary. Yeah. And luckily, nothing came of that documentary. Well, clearly, I gave you some real nuggets to work from. You you did. <laughs> you, you actually did give us really good did advice, I? and we, we, we dug through a lot, and luckily, we had access to an attorney, and oh, we're able to kind of talk through some things, but it... it when it came down to it, there were definitely some conflicts of interest with some of the subject matter sure. and some of that that Austin and I both were like, yeah, we need to pull away from this. Yeah, it's and good as, to abort early. Yeah. And, and as more things have kind of come to light, even in the political realm and seeing certain things that people that were involved support, we're like, oh, we're really glad we were not attached to this. Yeah. It's, uh, we're, we made a good decision. We had yeah. good foresight on this. <laughs> 
Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah, so it was a relief. Yeah, that was the last. That was the last time I. I think yeah, it's I been that. like a minute. Yeah, it's 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 been a while. Yeah. So which which is funny. I was I was thinking back today. I was like I was like, how did Sana and I get to know each other? And I was like, I know it was through Facebook, and where both of us have always been doing film stuff. I was yeah. like, I don't. I think it was actually was it animal. Austin? I think it was animal rights stuff. Oh. I think that was that how we had connected. I, th- I think it was a smart ass remark I had made about something about SeaWorld. And I think that's what it was years and years ago. And Austin, okay. I think had shared it or liked it. Yeah. And I think that's what it was. Cause I know, I know Austin was somehow involved <laughs> in the connection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I blame our relationship yeah. on Austin. Austin's going to go back and listen to this. He's going to be like, God damn it. Hey, you got to give me all the credit. I did this. Fuck you, Austin. <laughs> He's going to be sitting on, I don't know if I can say what set he's working on right now. He's going to be sitting on a particular set. Oh, I'm so excited set. though. Yeah, yes, that one excited. thing that he's working on, I'm so excited. <laughs> I just talked to him the other day and I'm so stoked. The day he got cast, he sent me a text like four in the morning. It was just like, so I just got cast in this. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Oh my God. Like, I, I'm really happy for him. And I'm just like, I can't wait to see yeah. his career progress. Well, and then, and then Andrew as well. I mean. Andrew Andrew's doing some great things since he made the move out to California. And yeah, I know he he just told he he put a teaser online for people that he was working at Warner Brothers, and when he told me I what show that. it was, I was like, "Woo!" Like, that makes me that yeah. makes me very excited. Well, and that's been a long time coming for him <laughs> yeah. and uh, and Jesse, so I'm glad that they're out there doing their thing now. Yeah, that's it's it, it's nice now because it's like I'm gonna be moving out there in a couple months. It's like I like having so many friends that are now because when when we moved out the first time, we didn't know anybody and i was so yeah, i was so green and everything and mm-hmm. had no clue it's like i look at it now and it's like for a good year i was just like oh, i'm just i'm such an idiot for moving back why did i and now i look and i was like oh no i wasn't ready yeah i it, was not ready in the least yeah <laughs> it's good to have a support group already yeah. out there that you can go and to know more of what you're doing and <laughs> well there's always that yeah like that was that, I that mean, I there's was the confidence in what the fuck you're doing <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I had confidence. I just didn't know how to utilize it. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. There's like I live, I live here, and there's that, and there's that. Like I can, I can see the Warner Water Tower out my window, and I'm here. But what do I do with it? And yeah, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll most likely never move to LA, so <laughs> I will just have to live vicariously through through all through of your, us <laughs> through your struggles and fears, and <laughs> yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be fun and exciting though but yeah it'll, it'll it'll be a welcome change for and i mean as you've seen i mean austin and i spend plenty of time out there as it is going yeah. back and forth and podcasting and re- recording shit and i mean we, we we've made sure to get the lay of the land yeah and, you've gone out you felt it out you yeah. know what you're yeah we, we we know what we're in for now we can hit the ground running like nothing's that's good nothing's changed now so i would probably go out there and like be in a fetal position like (laughs) crying and sobbing and throwing up (laughs) i'm not worthy i i think you i think you would succeed well out there i mean you get plenty of film work out here as it is that i I think you've been building up a steady resume to uh Uh, well thank you i i i mean i feel like i've i've over the last like maybe four years, I've kind of taken a step back from not like acting per se. I mean, there's not like a lot of roles coming my way, but um, I I was actually just kind of like I needed a break. I felt like it was very self indulgent, and 
there was a lot of self-promotion happening and I was so sick of myself and <laughs> I just needed to, that's when I kind of dived further into the animal rights stuff and, and, uh, and got a little more involved in shit that matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I'm one of those weird people where I have, I feel like I have to do it all. Which is probably why I work nonstop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, it's hard not to do it. But all. But, then, but then I just half-ass a lot of it. Like, yeah, I, I wish I could do more with a lot of the animal rights stuff. And well, it's a it's a soul sucking. Uh, it it it's it's really hard. It, it now I'm like okay, okay, I need I need a break. <laughs> I need a break from giving a shit about the earth. Um, <laughs> let's go back to me. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at right now, quite honestly. <laughs> it's just so fucking depressing, it, you know? It really is. It's like you see so much of what goes on, you know, whether it be, you know, through the animal rights yeah. stuff where, you know, seeing slaughterhouses and, mm. you know, breeders and things like that. And then you watch something like, I mean, before we were recording, you know, kind of mentioned uh, working with some of the stuff with Al Gore's new documentary. And like, mm -hmm. you watch like the first Inconvenient Truth and... Yeah. Like, yeah, people make fun of, you know, Al, Al Gore. For sure. Like, sure. But it's like, it still is very valuable information. And the new one, I mean, so much of what it shows where, you know, they're in Miami, I want to say. And it's like, it's showing how the water's rising and right. like how people are, are already seeing the effects of global warming. And it's like, yeah, you start seeing all of that. And it's just like, yeah, you just kind of do want to curl up in the fetal position and just be like, yeah, the world's just gonna, your world is going to end. And it's so it's tough. And, and you come up with a lot of, um, up against a lot of people that push back. Yeah. They just, you know, I, on one hand I get it. Um, people are just caught in their own little world, their own little circle and they don't really see outside. And they don't, some of them don't want they to They don't see want to. It's a lot easier to be ignorant. It, yeah. <laughs> it feels a lot better to be ignorant. You know, it hurts to know the truth. Like yeah. it hurts. It, like if you're an empathetic person, it, it fucking hurts. Like it's tough to know what you've been eating has yeah. caused massive amounts of suffering and damage to the earth and all that stuff. And like animal exploitation with whether it's sports or film or um, entertainment. Ugh. Like I could go on and on, but yeah, it's really, it's eye opening. But once you kind of peel back that first layer, it just doesn't stop. It's like this dark abyss. It really just is. Just nonstop suffering and abuse. And, oh, it's so, it's tragic. And it's hard when people are like, get over yourself, give a shit about something that matters. And, Oh, like we were protesting outside a lagoon and, um, and you know, we we're being like friendly. We weren't like yelling at anybody. We weren't flipping it. Like, yeah, I don't agree was, with that kind just, of protesting. It was just the signs and yeah, like just the signs notifying and, people going in. Right. Wave at them, you know, Hey, just look it up on your own, like research your own yeah. thing. And people are so hostile. Like they don't want, I've protested outside the circus too. And that was probably the worst because People do not want you to tell them that how they're spending their money and where they're taking their is children a is a bad decision. Yeah. They get really, really aggressive and hostile and it's super negative and it's just, you have to really put on a thick skin Yeah, it's, and be like for the animals. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I, I, I willed so much of it and, and hide behind it with comedy where yeah. it's like, I approach it from the satire aspect. Sure. And, th but that, then it kills me because then I get, the ignorant responses I'll tend to get is when 
I'll have a satire article come out or something like that. And people are like, I don't get it. And then I'll explain it. And they're like, oh, I don't figure, poli- I don't follow politics. And I'm just like, fuck you. That's what I, this is about. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I feel like I'm so sick of people saying they don't follow politics because, I mean, the apathy in our country is what I see being the root cause of where we're at right now. Yeah. You know, and that, you know, people are apathetic about how animals are treated, whether it's animal testing for product or whether it's like for their plate, you know, they just, they want to turn a blind eye and be like, oh no, it's just too tough. I just don't want to think about it. And you're like, what? Like you don't have the right to turn around and like ignore the problem. Like when you're contributing and you're paying for that abuse. And and at the same time, it's it's really not that tough. I mean, I've been it's a vegetarian not. for six years. Nice, good for you. So, and I mean, I've recently even made the push to vegan because I was just like, I just can't. It it, it was the cheese that was. Yeah, <laughs> that was, no, I get that. That was keeping yeah. me on the hook, and I was just like, I just, I, I I can't keep doing that. Like, I can see the effect of dairy and stuff on my body, and right. like, I need to make that that for change sure. and. You know, switch, switching to just full-blown vegan, I've already been able to see the differences just in my own health. But then yeah. knowing that, I mean, people don't sometimes get how fucked up the dairy industry is. Oh, it's so much worse than the meat industry, in my and, opinion. Yeah, very, very easily so. Yeah. And and so many people, I mean, I'll, I'll make a smart-ass remark here and there. And I've had some people that I haven't even, you know, talked to about a document or anything. Or I had somebody the other day, I just made a, a simple backhanded remark. They're like, yeah, go wa- go watch What the Health for the fifth time, and I was like, <laughs> all right, that's funny. <laughs> like, first off, how do you know I've even watched that? Which I have, but <laughs> it's because it's because like What the Health is really a game changer right now, and yeah, um, <clears throat> their first film, Cowspiracy. I don't know if you've saw, an, yeah, if you saw that, um, but yeah, What the Health I think has having a bigger effect on people because it has the the medical research behind it and the doctors and, and it's less of people have a really hard time connecting to information you can look up. It is. Yeah. And people, but people respond better when it's their own health they're concerned about rather than a cow cow that they've been, you know, systematically conditioned to think is nothing, you know, nothing important, no feelings, no sentient, you know, emotion, nothing. So it's easier for them to connect through the health side and and hey however we gotta connect to them yeah. like <laughs> we'll, whatever we'll it, takes. it takes <laughs> yeah yeah so so yeah i mean it's it, it's it's crazy but i mean you see like when i've talked to people about health i mean i've taken a whole new stance even on my own personal health where mm-hmm. i've really been focused on getting back into shape and billy anderson was just on the podcast and like i'd kind of talked with him too because he he'd lost uh, over 100 pounds wow and it's like by the time i hit my goal weight like i realized the other day i I will have lost, I think it was 145 pounds is what I will have lost overall. Nice. And I was just like, that's like, I, I don't think you've ever met Jesse, but Jesse, who's on our podcast a lot, like, I, was, I had joked with him, I was like, I'll basically have lost a full Jesse. Like, it's... <laughs> Everyone can lose a full yeah. Jesse. I mean, at this point, I'm, I'm only down, I'm only down 60 pounds. I get, no, it's actually 160 pounds I will have lost overall. Dude, that is amazing. Because I, I hit a mark where I was like, cool, like, I am under the 100 pound mark. <clears throat> And then I was like, no, I actually think I should probably be losing more than that. And I'd pulled up like the BMI calculator and all that. Oh, and I was no. like, yeah, I probably need to like, <laughs> add another 20 pounds to what my goal weight should be. And You know, I think as long as you're moving in the right direction yeah. and you're starting to recognize those health benefits and you're feeling better about yourself, like, like 
people try to take on too much all at once and they expect like like drastic change overnight. Yeah. And I think if you're That's just why like people that do fad diets and stuff fail. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just like fad diets are called fad diets for mm-hmm. a reason. They're just a fad. They yeah. They go away. But the paleo <laughs> diet is so trendy. And the and the keto diet. Oh, so when I keep keto. hearing about, <laughs> and I'm just like, one. that's the new one. I'm I'm like really like they're telling you, eat all of this sodium packed meat. Like enjoy your heart attack and stroke. Like that's yeah. not no. Yeah. Like all science points to no. Like if you have to trick your body to do what it does naturally, that's a sign. That's a sign that it's not. Right. You can literally just work out and it will do that. <laughs> like that's how your body goes into ketosis. It's yeah. It, yeah, it gets me so frustrated when I see it. I'm like, just just be healthy. And guess what? Not eating animals is part of that. Yeah. Like if if it was so healthy when people when their health starts going to shit, the first thing doctors would would say wouldn't be, "Hey, you need to cut meat out of your diet." Right. If you if we want to get you healthy, you need to cut that out. Or just start start while you're young and cut mm-hmm. it out when you learn and yeah yeah don't, we're just don't put it in there we're so conditioned yeah and we're so conditioned to think that we need the meat we need the cheese we need all that stuff but we don't guys i'm, I'm sure don't. i'm sure you get it all the time too well, where do you get your protein oh fuck <laughs> yeah i it's like there's there's vegan protein shakes even i well I have one where morning. does the cow get his protein where yeah. does the gorilla get their protein where you know like yeah, cut do, out the middle the guy herbivores get theirs yeah <laughs> plant plants have more than enough protein yeah so look it up yeah, yeah we're I, i'm doing well with it so it's good for you <laughs> that makes me happy i love it i love so, your yeah it's it, it, it's good it's good to be vegan Right now, by, by now, people, like it, other than like the NPR listeners that have crossed oh, over, oh, they're all like, like, "Fuck this bitch! Fuck this, this is fuck her propaganda! <laughs> I'm out." This used to be a comedy podcast, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird because like when people pull this up on iTunes, I always see that like I have at least two or three NPRs that are like, "You might also like," and I'm like, "Where am I crossing over to that many NPR shows? <laughs> I, I must be doing something wrong. Nothing against NPR shows, but I." <laughs> I didn't think that I had that much of a crossover audience. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> so now, I mean, aside from, you know, the animal rights stuff, and I mean, you you were able to volunteer, I know, some with uh, the Bernie Sanders campaign. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> while it was going. And um, aside aside from, you know, the political We just lost, like, a lot more listeners, by the yeah. way. <laughs> if, if, if people haven't I'm catched, the worst guest ever. If people haven't caught on that this show has always kind of had a slightly liberal undertone. Slightly progressive, slightly liberal. Then, you know, it's it, it's like it's like watching Fox News and pretending like it's not I'm to, sorry, totally you're, biased. Tim, yeah. I have to interrupt you. You are not using the right term. It's called alt-left. <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> I saw the greatest meme where somebody they, they posted a picture of a computer keyboard with the alt keys on both sides <laughs> of the space bars. They're like the alt left and no and and alt right have never had so much space between them. Oh I was my like, god, that's that amazing. That is the greatest thing I have ever seen. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Bernie. Yeah, it's like and any anybody that has followed me on Twitter and Facebook and and followed my website and shit should they should be they should know by better. now. Like Good. it's every Good. every time I have somebody follow me on on Facebook or on Twitter that has like that has some very clearly like right wing type thing in their in their bio. I'm like, hey, look, if you're gonna come and play nice, cool. I'm all for sure. it. Sure, yeah. 
but know what you're getting into. Like sometimes I'm just, I think I pop up when they like somebody like if they like a family friendly comic or something that I might also like. Yeah. And, and that pops up. Yeah. I've always been confused when I see some of them pop up and I'm just like, why are you following me? <laughs> like I'm the, I'm the, I'm the last person that you probably want to follow. Yeah. There's, I mean, I don't get a lot of, um, I don't get a lot of people coming at me online for as much as I post, like about all this stuff we're yeah. talking about. Um, but every once in a while, a random person, there's about three people that maybe once or twice a year, they don't have any other interaction with me. They never, you know, <laughs> it's so weird. I'm like, and then they'll, I'll post something and then they'll have this whole like, conversation with me about it and i don't know it's like like you can have like i i want to learn from other people and i want to learn other perspectives and because it's we should all be well-rounded and understand really like where the people are coming from yeah. and it helps us validate what we feel too um but it's like when they don't have any other interaction with you and then all of a sudden they just come at you like an exactly asshole, right it's like go fuck yourself <laughs> you know like or at least i don't know I don't know. Trolls. I, 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 I usually try not to buy into the trolls, but every so often I I, I enjoy it a little bit too much. Do yeah, I, I won't debate on Facebook. Yeah, I, I very usually I won't comment on anything on Facebook because yeah. I don't want to get stuck in the comment threads. So unless yeah. unless it's something where I just have to make the job. Like it just eats at me too much. I'm like, I've got <laughs> to do can't it. Help but I think my favorite one as of recent was one I got on Reddit. Uh, where I, it was an, it was a satire article I wrote on Funny or Die, that was five reasons why we the Christian Republicans kicked Jesus out of Christianity, <laughs> and it was five reasons. Every one of them cited something from the Bible, and the the comment I got back was, "This is very amateurish. Clearly, somebody who's never read the Bible." I'm like, "I'm fucking quoting it," <laughs> like. Yeah. Like, I'm the one who's never <laughs> read the Bible. I literally quote it, and you say I haven't read the Bible. Yeah. Like, I, I think one of the two of us is uh, a yeah, little like, what, they haven't read the Bible. Yeah, I mean, what can you do with those people, you know? It's like, yeah. whatever. So I, I, my friend, I, just, I just had to laugh when I saw it. I was like, yeah. all right, get on you. Yeah. <laughs> my friend, there was somebody that was, like, going on. I can't remember what. It was, like, feminism or something. And it's always lovely when... A man tells a woman what she should feel. And, yeah. You know, right? It's dangerous ground to go into. But, um, and I was, ta my friend was watching this conversation happen. And I said, I just don't, I mean, ugh, I just don't know where else to tell this guy without being a total cunt to him. <laughs> and, because I try to keep it civil, you know? And she's like, look, Sana, to argue with a fool makes two fools. Just end it. That like, is a good point. And from that moment on, I was like, you're right. I'm done. Like, yeah. no more engagement unless it's, like, super mature and super fair. And it's an actual dialogue back and forth. Yeah. It's not, like, some pissing contest. Yeah. And that's that, that's the best way to, to go about it is to have a civil conversation. My, my parents are still very conservative. They, by no means, voted for the orange fuck in the White House now. <laughs> they hate him equally as much as I do. <laughs> but... They've always been able to have a good civil conversation with me. Yeah. And 
e- even during the campaign, like they would actually call and ask me questions because I think they had realized when it came down to a lot, like before I went into film and all of that, I was going to, I was going to school for business because I was going to be a good upstanding boy and get a, get a good college degree. And you fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, I was looking to use it in entertainment anyway, and like possibly work on in like music, doing stuff behind the scenes in business, but just realized I fucking hated business so much. But I was also minoring in political science, oh. so it's like I was going down the political science rabbit hole. I was memorizing Supreme Court cases for classes. And yeah. So it's like I've I've done my due diligence and really studying the political spectrum. Yeah. I think it's funny how many people eventually go the comedy route that many of us went down the political rabbit hole in college and yeah and that's that's why we're as passionate as we are about it it's not oh well i just don't follow politics it's not about turning on like fucking msnbc or fox news it's no i actually understand like what's what's going on that's why i'm passionate about Mm -hmm. it and that's I think it was John Stewart, or no, it was one of the early writers on The Daily Show with John Stewart, where John Stewart had told him if it's not based in truth, even writing satire is not funny then. Yeah. And I was just like, ah. Oh. Yeah, that's true. I was like, that's that, that's where I have to go with it. And then, like, even when things like the Book of Mormon musical and things like that have come out, like, I've told my parents, I'm like, no, go see it. Like, I get that you're, that's your religion that they're mocking, per se. I was like, but it's just satire. Yeah. I was yeah. like, you guys raised me on satire. Like, I mean, we all just need to get a better sense of humor about what we're passionate about. Yeah. You know? Like, God knows I have to laugh off a bunch of shit about animals and and Bernie and stuff like that. And my, sometimes you just got to laugh it off and be like, yeah, that is kind of funny. My opening stuff in stand-up right now is is me telling people I'm a vegetarian and then making fun of me for being a vegetarian. Yeah, that's the it's best like, stance to take. It's like, I get why people make fun of it, especially mm-hmm. when you're still a fat guy and mm-hmm. you look like you ate three other vegetarians. Trust me, <laughs> I fucking hate a lot of the vegan community. Yeah. Oh, they're horrible. Yeah, they, they absolutely they're are. They're horribly mean, judgmental, trolling people. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, it just kills me. I'm like, you're making a bad name for all of us, but... When, when they douse themselves in, in red paint and stuff like that, I'm like, now you're going crazy. Well, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, some, some of that's where, where I, for me at least, it gets pretty extreme. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The types of protesting out there and how people choose to. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of infighting in, well, obviously, in, in the liberal and democratic parties right now. I mean that there's a lot of infighting there. There's a lot of infighting in animal rights. There's a, it's just there's so yeah. many people with different opinions and um, different viewpoints of how they want to attack, right? You know, or get their or get their message across. And some are a little more compassionate about it, and yeah. others are just downright horrible, <laughs> horrible jerks. Yeah, and, and that, myself. That, that that's one thing though that people on both sides of the aisle have to realize is that even like you can admit that your side is wrong at times. Sure. Yes, like, and we should. If if the de- if Democrats can't sit back and look at it now and realize that, and I want to say it was Neil Brennan who he, who had even kind of made the point of it, it's time to stop pointing and saying look what he's doing look what he's doing and instead saying this is how we can fix it and this is yeah. like the plan we need to take and if we just are going to sit back and 
point at the monkey in the White House what right now. What is it? It's... Three fingers pointing back at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's there, there's just so much, so many problems that, yeah. that, that we need to focus on other than just saying, oh, Trump did this this week. Trump right. did that. It's like, don't worry. It'll catch up to him. But in the meantime, yeah. we need to focus on what makes what makes the party stronger? What builds the party? It's like, I I I think one of the biggest problems that even with a lot of uh, that a lot of Bernie supporters had, and this is what I had to keep tell, telling Bernie supporters was, you can't just be behind this because you like him. Yeah, it can't be like, a blind you have follow. To, you have to understand the issues, right? Because I loved Bern, absolutely loved Bernie when he came. Like all along, I, I was like, "Oh yeah, Hillary's going to be the one." And then as soon as Bernie came on the scene, I was like, "Oh hello." That's what I did. Yeah, I was like, "Oh I," and, and I, I immediately jumped on on board with Bernie. But it was never going to be like, "Oh well, if he doesn't get it, well then fuck this." Like I saw so many people posting yeah. on, online that will, and I'm like, mm -hmm. "Look, regardless of who gets it, they're both great candidates." And so many things, though, like I loved all of Bernie's ideas, but I'd have to bring up to people all the time. You have to understand still how government works. Right. And what what's actually going on? No, every every politician's going to get up and say, these are my plans. This is what I'm going to do. And a lot of those things aren't going to happen because right. that's just not how government works. Like a lot of people I wanted to be like, we just need to play the I'm just a bill thing. <laughs> like before every political rally, just to give people a refresher. So in any <laughs> politician says something they can look at it and if they agree with it be like that's a great idea don't think that it could happen yeah but that's it's like it's still good to have the passion and to be able to drive a revolution but to be almost semi-delusional about it it's just yeah. like that's that's where on both sides of the aisle oh yeah all whether over. whether it's a wall or you know on the extreme side whether it's you know making sure that you know everybody gets free education I would love that. I wouldn't have student debt. Yeah. It makes perfect sense to me. But trying to get a Congress to pass that, you've got to get them to wake up and realize why that's beneficial. Yeah. And that takes time. It yeah. takes a lot of time. Yeah. It, it, it takes a lot of time. And that's just, it's something that people, I don't think, necessarily understand a lot of the time. <laughs> Let's and, be honest, a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of money. Yeah. At least, at least two or three trips to Mar-a-Lago. It costs at least that much. <laughs> And a big chocolate cake. Yeah, and a big chocolate cake <laughs> and at least two scoops of ice cream at every dinner. <laughs> yeah. I can keep going. <laughs> I know. It's a crazy it's a crazy climate right now and it's it's not something that as a little kid I thought I'd be facing. Yeah. But it is what it is. It's just life, you know? It's just well, see what's funny is as a kid I, I think I was I was even kind of like passionate about it. And oddly, as, as I was watching back through ALF several years ago, mm. there is an episode of ALF where he actually gets worried about the CFCs in the air. Oh, wow. This is 1987. Yeah. And ALF was worried about the potential harms of global warming. Yeah. A lot of these, I mean, a lot of the issues yeah. that we're facing today, they've, they've, been, they've around been around for a while. For a while. It's just nobody's really paid attention. And sure, ALF was liberal Hollywood, but... <laughs> Except that he ate cats. Yeah, except for that he ate cats. It's not very liberal of him. <laughs> Mel Mac wasn't that progressive. That's why it got blown up. <laughs> One of my favorite shirts I got for Comic-Con a couple of years ago, uh, it had Alf's silhouette. 
um, since he's got the goofy hair mm-hmm. like, like Trump. And it just said, make Melmac great again. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, that's funny on two levels because most people are going to read that and be like, oh, they're making fun of Trump. Not realizing Melmac was blown up. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Alf was a refugee that had to escape. Oh, God. <laughs> like, it, it made me laugh just because it had that, like... It had the subtle subtext of a much deeper joke yeah. to it. I was like, oh, yeah. that's, that's funny. And then part of me was like, I almost kind of wonder, though, if the person that did this realized how deep their subtext went <laughs> especially now <laughs> oh boy yeah, yeah. I, I mean there's no words <laughs> <laughs> so i i knew that i knew that we'd go down the the progressive rabbit hole here because right. you couldn't put the two of us Mm-mm. on this without without going down that right. but, but shifting gears a hair i mean more, more of learning how you got involved with with filmmaking and stuff because I know you've been working on Hellscape for a while. Oh yes. So I, that 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 is your your baby, your passion project. Yeah. So, but even leading up to that, I mean, where where did the film passion and that kind of kind of come from? Do you want to hear my really um, cheesy story where we'll lose of course all of the rest of your listeners? Of course. Let's lose them. Get ready for the collective <laughs> eye roll and the vomit. Um, <laughs> So, <laughs> uh, how I got into acting was, uh, basically it's because of Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, no, really. Uh, my mom, my mom had, it was before the movies were made, whatever. My mom's a librarian. She was telling me about these books that, you know, I think I, I think I was just like, I just need a book to read. I haven't read books for a long time. And I feel stupid. So she's like, well, there's this really easy book you can read that all the kids are raving about. It's about vampires or something. And I thought it was, I was like, are you kidding me? And then like months went by and then I was like super depressed about my life at the moment. And I just took a drive up to Logan, ended up in a bookstore and I see this Twilight book. And I'm like, is this what she was talking about? Fuck it. I'll buy it. Whatever. I have nothing else to lose in my life right now. So I went home and I read it. And I enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. I enjoyed it. You know, your own imagination can make books just so spectacular, right? In your mind. Yeah. And um, there was one character. I can't remember who it was. But one little character. She's in like two paragraphs of the whole the whole series. And I, for some reason, it just like my imagination sparked. And I was like, oh, that would be like, the, she would be so cool to be that. Like, it, oh, what a cool character. Just a badass. And, um. And then from there, I was like, maybe I'll have a bucket list and maybe I'll try like extra work. And I didn't know how to get yeah. into extra work or anything. And this was like 2008. And I had a friend who I had heard had done some acting. So I hit him up, hadn't talked to him for years. <laughs> like we were acquaintances kind of like in junior high. Yeah. So I, mean, I was like really kind of like desperate to reach out to him. And I know you were in the middle school play. So but... I heard that you did this really <laughs> dramatic thing. Um, and he sent me in the direction of an acting coach and I called. I was so scared. I was so scared because I'm, I'm more of a shy person than people realize. So I called him and he said, yeah, come to this class. And I showed up. And I did not know what to think. Like, I didn't know. Yeah. Fuck all about acting. <laughs> Nothing. I didn't know what sides were. I didn't know. I didn't know. And he just handed out these sides and he said, okay, you're in the scene with these two other people. And everybody like went off and like practiced and then you'd come back together and everybody would put up their scene. And I legitimately was like, I don't, 
like guys like I don't know what to do like help me help me help me help me help me and uh they kind of like I don't think they realized how like ignorant I was to the process but I put up the scene and it was like cupid like just went right in my heart and was like this is what you're fucking gonna do like this is what you were born to do bitch and that was it and I was a I was addicted to acting after that and um and then I think I was I just stayed in that class I met um some of like my best friends still to this day and through that like I met Andrew and then Austin Mm -hmm. so it was like through that one class I've really been rewarded quite a bit like beyond just the acting stuff but um yeah and then I I think I auditioned for my first somebody was like oh my gosh this show (laughs) the first movie I worked on was called get ready for it you ready no I'm ready the sex doll she bitch (laughs) (laughs) yeah please tell me this was a student film no but you know it was a short film and and the director, um, the sex doll she bitch. Yeah, it was a horror comedy. Uh, it's, it sounds like it. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> it w- that's where I met Holly. Holly okay. and I both ended up on the set, and this was, the, and I ended up as the art director. Um, I was an extra. I got cast as an extra, and then they're like, "Hey, do you want to be an art director?" And I was like, "Sure, I love art." Yeah. <laughs> Just jumped in. I brought my sister along, and it was a week shoot. And it honestly was a blast. Like, whatever the end result was, like, I can watch that film now and enjoy it for what it is because I know all the the behind-the-scenes stuff that was happening. And and it is really, it's a ridiculous concept of a blow-up doll that's a murderer. (laughs) Anyway. um, But, yeah, that was like... (laughs) (laughs) I mock the title, but that... That sounds hilarious to me. It was pretty funny. And there was, um, they had hired some, some crew from out of LA and, and Chicago. And so it was, I'm still in touch with some of those people and, and they were all really, really fun to work with. And I mean, I don't know how we all ended up on this fucking show, but it was, uh, it was fun. Like I have no hard feelings about that being my first film. Yeah. Actually, that's what my tattoo is. That bowling pin was I was in charge of putting that in every shot in the scene. Oh, cool. So I, yeah, but um, but yeah. Everybody, everybody has that that first one. There, there was one that for the longest time it was it was actually where Austin and I really connected, and it was like I've to, I've told the story on here. I'm pretty sure a couple of times, but it was a it was a short that I wrote that was based off a chapter in a book that I was co writing at the time. Did not translate to screen. <laughs> and, I mean, at this point, I think we could probably make it translate and translate yeah. to screen because we know what the fuck we're doing now. But at the time, it was my first first year in film production. I still had no clue what I was doing, but in my head, I was Judd Apatow. Like, it For was, sure, <laughs> yeah. Obviously. It, and <laughs> it was such a disaster. And... It went from the main f- the main thing that we were going to do. Nobody that was working on it actually did their parts. And so I had to quickly rewrite it into something else where it was called The Narcissist. And it was about a guy that went to speak at a suicide prevention group 
but didn't realize it was a suicide prevention group and was instead just talking about how great his life was. <laughs> and and like Austin played the center director that had to tell him, like, um, you do realize you're speaking to a suicide prevention group, right? Oh, he'd be good at that. And and so like he, he played the role great. I mean, I, I was the, the narcissist and I was beyond terrible. I, but did you have fun making oh, it? Oh, I had a I had, yes and no because i was more or less mad i was directing it too yeah and so i was mad at the crew the entire time oh because they weren't pulling their weight well that's a bummer and we had we had we had one person quit when i changed the script because the very end part was asked was the guy asking um and can we get that man down out of the rafters he's been in my light all night long Oh. And so it was taking just an extra punch that he was so full of himself that yeah. he didn't realize that something serious had actually happened. And she was just like, I have lost somebody to suicide. And I was like, I'm not making fun of suicide. For the love of God, I'm not making fun of suicide. Oh, yeah. That doesn't yeah. sound like a very good experience. <laughs> and so like one person quit. The other person was like, that almost quit, was like, well, what if instead we like have like, a sheriff at the end that comes in to like help that man. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, that's not even what this is about. And so gotta like, love people that love to change the storyline. Yeah. Like when you're already in the thick of yeah, it, it's like, it's a complete thick satire oh, that, geez. yeah. And it was, it was such, like, I've always joked the fact that Austin still worked with me afterwards <laughs> was, but I, 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 think it's because he recognized that i recognized that it was terrible yeah well i mean i mean on the worst like we've all worked on really difficult projects right and worked with difficult people or whatever but i mean there's so much to learn and take away from those things as well and like sometimes you'll connect with somebody who becomes your best friend or your next like partner in crime on film sets or whatever and it makes it worth it yeah and Austin and i worked on countless things together at, yeah. at this point i mean he's gone on the road with me and done yeah. all sorts of stuff so you'd so probably go back to that experience and do it all over the yeah. same way just for the fact that you have this great buddy now yeah right? and, and that's that's exactly it yeah. so it's it's crazy to think that that was like five years ago and yeah but i feel like that's some of the worst um the worst experiences i've had working I've had a lot. Um, like the friendships I've gained out of it or just the, the knowledge about what not to do, there just far outweighs how miserable I was or, yeah. or how upsetting it was at the time. But So how, how did you kind of progress past that first film and being able to... Well, I just jumped. So, I mean, act, acting was my focus, but I started... Then I worked on another um, movie about a month later and I was... Um, worked crew on that like wardrobe and props and had a little part I was a bimbo bimbo number two I believe (laughs) (laughs) and um just so you know bimbo bimbo number one is now one of my best friends so there you go um but then it just kind of like I I started doing a lot of crew work so I just started jumping from set to set just crew 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 and I would act when I could um and then that's really just kind of how my whole my whole quote unquote career has gone is I've just played both sides. Right. Which as an actor, it's, it's actually really hard because you realize that people will come. If you're good, if you're good at crew and you're dependable um, and, and people enjoy working with you, 
they will forget that you're an actor and so they won't tell you about auditions or they won't yeah. offer you a part in their little small film or whatever and, and so you show up and you do the crew work and you love it and you love the camaraderie but it breaks your heart a little more and more each time yeah. because you know when you're like the creative mind and you want to be showing that side of you and like that part that's like super passionate like you're passionate about it's it's hard to always be behind the camera like you no know. I- I, I totally get that. So I, I've even had it in the opposite way where like I've wanted to do some of the behind the scenes stuff, yeah. whether in film or in radio. And like I've I've reached out directly to people and been like, Hey, just curious, why did why did you not ask me, you know, to be part of this? Like I totally would have worked on this with you. And I've had people like, Oh, we didn't think you would be interested because Yeah. You know, you're usually like behind the mic and in front and I'm like, Yeah, I do it all. Like I can Yeah. It's hard for people to like remember like what everybody yeah, does. Like, I, I, I like creating. I like I like building. And yeah, every so I mean, often I, I'm like, yeah. Why, why? Why did you forget about me? Well, and, <laughs> you know, like I would rather be on set than not yeah. on set. You know, and um. Uh, well, these, these, see, these are things where I'm not even on set because they're like, right. oh, we don't, we don't think you know Tim would want to do this because he'd probably want to be in front of the camera instead. Or I'm like, mm-hmm. no, like I'll I'll do some of those things too. Like. Yeah, those are within my skill set. I know it's hard. It's hard, and I feel like we're just never going to be satisfied with like we could get like the biggest part ever, the biggest like crew job ever, oh, and we'd totally. still be like, I'm still not fucking satisfied. I'm still not happy. Like, what's next? But that's you know, what, that's what drives you to keep going. Like, right. Austin and I have joked that you know, say, say we wrote a great film or something, we win an Oscar, I'd be like, cool, that's going right here. On to the next. Uh, oh yeah, you'd be I, like, I don't. I would not be able to to sit still. It's no, like, you'd be like, oh my god, now what? Is it over? You know? Yeah, yeah you gotta constantly be looking forward. I it, think it's like it's a great a great thing to win an award and whatnot. And it's like, I mean, we've started you know collecting some of our some mm-hmm. of our awards and shit. But it's like, cool. That that's that one thing. Now 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 we make another like right. Yeah, it, it's something that I could never be content with saying. I'm, I'm good with that. Like that's Yeah, if you reach that point. I think with anything in life, if you reach that point where you're like, Yeah, I did it. I'm yeah. good. I made it. Uh, I mean Yeah, like, and that's ugh. true 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 creators and those that really have a passion, I think that that's where both of us it's like, cool, like I, what, what can I do next? Right. There's what, no what, end. Like the you're thing? constantly challenging yourself. You constantly want to improve. You constantly want to learn and find new things and work with new people and yeah. discover. and I think that's why when I've had, as people say, real jobs, uh, it's dri- absolutely driven me crazy because mm-hmm. it's just like it's going in and doing the same thing every day and just being yeah. like, oh, my God, like how how mundane is this? I, I can't keep – for some people, sure, that works great. Yeah. Right now, somebody's probably sitting at a desk thinking, he's a fucking asshole. That's what I do. Hey, if that works for you, great. great. If it's not, challenge yourself. Go out there and find yeah. something that makes you happy and – yeah, don't just settle and, for sure. And and ignore what people are telling you about, even if it's like, oh, well, yeah, you're going to have to take out some debt to go to school for that. Fucking do it. You'll find things will work themselves out. Yeah. yeah. It's like I kind of regret some of my student loan debt because I'm just like, I wish I would have known some of this was an option because <laughs> I would have done things differently. Yeah. But it's like at the same time, it's like, no, but I gained things from that. And it's like. I'm not one of those people that's living on the street trying to figure out how they're going to pay their student loans. It's right. 
you, you go through the motions. It's it's life that happens, but make it happen doing something you love instead of yeah. contemplating if you should jump out the fourth door office window or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely am a big believer in like going after what you're passionate about and not giving up. Yeah. It's, because it is easier to give up. Let's let's face it. It's fucking easier to just be like, I'm sick of this rejection. I'm sick of working on these shit movies. I'm sick of blah, 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 you know, whatever it is. Right. And just check out and go get a regular job or whatever it is. I mean, it it is easier because following your dream is like, it's really complicated and it's difficult and it hurts a lot of the time. Yeah. So. It, hurt, it hurts good. <laughs> yeah, it hurts so good. It, We're addicted to the sadness of it, yeah. I think, you know? I, I think that really is. A, it's it's being the sad clown. It's <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's like, I, it, it brings me so much joy even even having to go, th- go through the motions of it all. It's like, it's, yeah, you're going to, you're going to get punched. You're going to get kicked when you're down. And, mm-hmm. but I, I, th- I think you have to let that callous over and realize yeah. that. And the little breakthroughs that you have just kind of come out of nowhere. I, th- yeah. I feel like it's like when you least expect, that's when you get these little tiny breakthroughs or yeah. these little cool opportunities that come by. Yeah. And it's always when you're not looking and not desperate for it. Exactly. So, so, something I'm building towards right now, even as I get ready to move, something that had popped up that I really can't say on here yet, that I had no idea was even a possibility that somebody told me about when I was look kind of looking at something else, and I was like, "Oh well, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll look at that. That that's definitely an option, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's something that could be quite literally life changing for me if it works out. But it's like at the same time, I'm just like, I know how cool this could be. I have to be realistic though. I know how this industry works, yeah, and I. I, I have to be really grateful that when I first really started into the film and acting and comedy side of it, that I just so happened to catch an Inside the Actor studio when George Clooney was on. And James Lipton asked him how he approached auditioning. I mean, of course, Clooney doesn't audition now. He's right. fucking George Clooney. Like, <laughs> yeah. Roles are just written for him. But he said that he had to approach it as... You go into that room to audition, you don't have the job. You leave that room, you don't have the job. What have you got to lose? Right, yeah. And when he said that, and I know I've said that on here before, but when he said that, it clicked in my head at that point. Because I was going into auditions, and I would come home and be like, oh, if I fucking did this, I could have done this better. <laughs> and as soon as I checked out of that, I thought for sure, I mean, one of the main casting directors in Utah, Jeff Johnson, first audition i ever had for him was horrendous and i i was about as about as green as could be it was like you go into your acting class mm-hmm. and had no clue what i was doing on this audition i had just signed with an agent who by no means <laughs> should have signed me and i look at that agency now and when i see them put things out i just laugh i'm just like you guys have no clue what the fuck you're doing and they had done things like edit my script and things like that where I went in and they I didn't have headshots or anything yet. And they sent me in for a role that would have been opposite of um, of Tori Spelling. Was it for that mistletoe? It was. I auditioned for that too. And <laughs> when I looked at the, like, 
they sent me in for a role I it was no way qualified for. And yeah. I mean, I learned a fuck ton from that. And you know, yeah, like on one hand, your agent definitely should have prepared you more. Yeah. Before sending you in, but then like kind of baptism by fire, right? Isn't exactly. That, this whole business is, feels yeah. like baptism and, and by fire. And luckily, I to got me. another agent that still wasn't very good, but that was able to get me another audition. Mm-hmm. And that audition for Jeff went well, but then they changed ethnicity of the character, and I was like, "Yep, can't play that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I. Uh, it's funny because there's just I don't know. I I had my heart set on. Um, I do theater when I can too, and um, there was a, this role recently that I worked really really hard to be off book for the entire like the character I was reading for she's in um every scene in -hmm. the entire play so there's not one page that she's not on so I was like okay when this audition hits I'm gonna be off book for the whole show or as close to as possible I'm gonna research I'm gonna do like I'm gonna be so prepared I'm gonna make a Pinterest page And, um, I mean, I was like, this was the one role that I had read ever where I was like in tears at the end of it. And I'm like, I had, this is, oh my God, this, this role is like made for me and I want to do it so bad and it would be such a great challenge. And, um, I love the theater company that, you know, it's like, I'm their number one fan. I love working with them and I love the director and like all these things were, were like just coming together. Right. And it would have been the most amazing opportunity and I got a call back, but then ultimately I didn't get the role. And so it was like, you just never know, you know? And, and so that was like probably the one time that I got my hopes up like higher than I should have. Yeah. But I was really like, man, man, I want this so bad. I'm going to do all this work and nobody can say I'm not prepared, but you just, you just never know. You get in the audition room and things are all out of your control you never know what anybody else is bringing to the table and it is what it is but yeah it's tough yeah it's a it, tough business it definitely still, still one of my favorite stories austin recently told me is he'd gone in for an audition and have a, he brought a granola bar with him and he was going to tear the granola bar open with his mouth and just kind of keep going and he tore it but <laughs> the part of the wrapper oh. stuck to his lip <laughs> And he just, and he wanted to do it again. And he ended up getting another audition out of it because he's fucking awesome. And he just is amazing at it. And so that's why he gets them. But I laughed so hard when he told me about it because he was just like, oh, I'm not getting a callback on that. Like, yeah, you never know. (laughs) Like you can go in there and be like, that was the best audition I ever did. And then you hear nothing. Yeah. Or you go in there and you're like, that was the, I am so fucking ashamed of myself right now like i should never i have no business doing this and then all of a sudden you're like hey here's the part for you you know so it's just you never know you never know it's a it's weird (laughs) it's weird but like even like um like you worked on mosaic yes yeah yeah i yeah because i I, i'm very glad you actually posted something just this morning i saw about it so i've been like when is that coming out well yeah my friends and i because i was a production assistant were you on on set when i was there you know when were you on it? I was on towards the, the end. very end. 
Yeah, I, I, I was a I was a bartender in a scene. I had to bail the final two weeks okay. um, because I was cast in a play, and I had also um, hurt myself on set. I'd torn some tendons on oh, my no. foot, so I actually had to get off my feet. And then this play came up. Um, but that like when I when Brent had called me um, to to go work on good that. old Brent Geisler, good old Brent Geisler, and this is how I met him. Um, he called me and I, and I think they were just like bare bones. They had nobody else to call. And cause you know, Jade Pennant was filming and blood and oil was filming yeah. and then this was filming. And so all the top were the, the first choice PAs were, were scooped up already. And, um, so I think somebody referred me and I was just so far down on the list, but I, w- I had just resigned myself to be like, I'm done with crew. I'm just going to do acting. I've just got to focus on my acting, blah, blah, blah. And then Brent's like, well, the thing is, is it's uh, Soderbergh. Yeah. And I, wait, what? I come again? And he's like, yeah, totally. So I was all, yeah, I'll day play on that. And um, and that's also in Park City. I live in Ogden. Mm-hmm. So it's like really, it's expensive yeah, to drive. It's and, a long and drive. That's when you're working long days in the winter. It's hard on your body, too. Yeah. But um, that was like... I was, it was such an incredible experience just as a PA. Like I was, I was happier than a pig dipped in shit. Like half a mile down the road, blocking traffic by myself for four or five hours, freezing my ass off with nothing to do but talk to trees. (laughs) And I was like, literally like, I cannot believe I'm working on this fucking movie right now. Yeah. Like I'm working with one of my favorite actors. I'm working with like this iconic actor. I'm working with this crew that is just blowing my mind left and right. Yeah. And I have a chance to be here and witness it all and be part of it. And it was like, it was such a precious experience for me. And that, it was very stressful. It I was. mean, it was a high, st- the, the set was very calm. They run a very calm, slick, quick set. Um, but it was stressful in the way that it was such an elite level. It really that was. That you were working with that everybody, the, the locals anyway that I talked to, we were just trying to up our game so much that we were like putting a lot of stress on ourselves. Yeah. You know, just to like be like, you know, make people proud of us and, and, and feel like we belong there and whatnot. But I loved that set. And I was begging my friends Please, I don't I don't care that you only do lead parts. Just sign up and be an extra because it is worth it to yeah. just sit there and watch Joseph Reedy. Oh my god. So he Are blew, you kidding me? He blew me away because since, since I was a featured extra, so I, I, I was just like, I don't fucking care. Like I fit this role. I wanna I wanna be able to spend a day on this set. Oh, it's incredible. And it's like my scene in particular was I, I can't wait to see. I, I understand camera blocking, so I made yeah. sure that uh, I want a certain steel still of a of one of the shots. But uh-huh. when they when they called me up, Brent called me up to set um, before they called anybody else up, and like they had kind of been rehearsing with the main cast. And he calls me up and likes like he's just like yeah, they're doing a read through here. Um, this is Joe, and Joe's just like hi, Joe, Joe Reedy, and I was just like so incredible. Great guy. I know this name. I'm like, he was just totally cool. Like, yeah, this is like where you're going to be at. You know, you'll be here. We'll bring Garrett in. And I was like, what? And I so, know. like, it was just, it was me and Garrett, like, behind the bar. And then 
And he is a cool dude. He's the coolest dude. We bonded over Adam Sandler. (laughs) The old Adam Sandler comedy albums. And then I was, aside from like working with some of the extras, the other side of me was Paul and Sharon. And I was just like, when I found out that Paul was working on it. Can can we say that yet? It's all on IMDb. Oh, okay. Doesn't say their character names, but it's all on IMDb. I'm like, I don't know how much we can talk about it, but. Brent and I kind of mentioned some of that. Okay, cool. So when when he was on, yeah, it's all on IMDb. So yeah, figure if it's on there. I, if it's if it's like in an in, like Soderbergh did that interview last week, and that's why I was like, oh my god, that's why I posted that article yeah. today because I was like, it's finally coming out in November. And then they 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 talked yeah. about Sharon and Garrett, and Sharon did an interview last yeah. year and talked about it. So I was like, okay, I'll We're, I'll repeat what they say. Yeah, that, and I figure we can say they're in it because it's on IMDb. Yeah. So it's not anything that's hidden there. Yeah, they haven't taken it down. Yeah, don't. <laughs> Don't don't know what they what their exact rules are. I don't even know what the plot of the film is. So. Yeah, they well even for those of us that were working, you know, I did. I mean, I probably worked. I was a day player on it, but I probably worked like eighty percent of the yeah. days. And, um, like even even with those of us that were there in and out, like it was pretty hush hush. Yeah. Like quite honestly. Yeah, I have no. I couldn't even really tell you what happened in 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 the scene that I am in. But all all the entire time, I was just like god these are like a bunch of my heroes and like and yeah and when, when i got oh the call god. that i got that role they did you shit your pants i did pretty much yeah. like well first i got an email about an hour and a half before they called me and they were asking my exact height and a couple things i was like fuck it's coming down to like the nitty-gritty the, the nitty-gritty like is this person an inch too tall for this shot and yep. i was just like oh this is and that was all i'd heard and then about Hour and a half later, I get a call. My wife and I are out driving, and, and I can't remember who it was that called me. But the key thing that made me just shit myself was, and they're like, "Yeah, the director liked your look," and and, and all the way through it is, Steven Soderbergh just picked you. <laughs> like that's what, and like luckily once we were when we wrapped for the day, I was able to go up to him and just be like, "Hey, I just want to tell you thank you oh, for for letting me be on the set for the day. This was really an honor." Yeah. And, and I will say to anybody, and I know you can attest to this too, if you get the chance to be on a Steven Soderbergh set, for the love of God, do it. Yeah. It oh, is, my God. Watching him work. Watching it's, him. Cause I loved it. He, I don't know if he always DPs on all of his films, but this one he did. And it was amazing to watch him like figure the shot and work with Joe and... This is why we're, and, yeah. and for those that don't know who Joe Freedy is, he's Scorsese's right hand man. And Aronofsky, and he's worked with Oliver Stone. Yeah. Like, he's worked with everybody. Yeah, he's worked with everybody. And you, I mean, he was just this friendly, friendly old man. That I, I know. Like, I wanted to, what? like, I just wanted to geek out so hard and talk to him and be like, how is it like working with um, Kate Winslet on Revolutionary Road and yeah. Sam Mendes? And- yeah, how was that? I wanted to geek out so bad because, like, he worked on a couple of my f- most, most, most favorite shows. Yeah. And you can't. But he was super, he, he is a great guy. Super down to earth. Super, super cool. Runs a tight ship without being yeah. an asshole. Like, wow. It was just incredible watching him work. But, but, but it I, made me, it made me step my game up so much because yeah. I was just like, even though I, I've got, like, my little movements with Garrett and whatnot, like, I was just like, I can't let anybody down. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I can't let anybody down right now. This is. <laughs> I thought so. There was one night I thought I was getting fired because 
I had misunderstood some instructions about some extras. And so they come off set and I, uh, I sent them down to change. And it was not close where they had to go. And then all of a sudden, Brent calls for the same extras to come back to set. And I was like, oh, my, the blood drained from my like it just went away i don't even know how it was still standing like i was like um they're not they're not here anymore i said where are they Uh, i thought you told me to send them to get into their second wardrobe and so they're like all the way down the street right now (laughs) and i mean what can you do like it was an honest misunderstanding but like you have you have the director and you have the AD and you have the actors literally ready. Waiting. They're, they're waiting. Yeah. All the, the shot is set up. The camera set up. Everything is just waiting on your job. And it was an epic fail. And they, had, they couldn't get the shot. They had to move on. But um, I was just mortified. I mean, I think I cried all the way home. I was so embarrassed. I was so mortified. But all you can do is really just be like, I, my fault, 100% responsibility. I should have, I should have verified. I should have like not assumed anything. Or if I had any question, I should have double checked. Like I take full responsibility. I'm so sorry. You know, that's all you can really do in yeah. that moment. And those things are going to happen. I mean, that's just, and I know people always joke that how oh, you haven't really had a career until you've been fired. So. Oh, I was, I was like, I was like, Oh my God, they're not going to call me back for the second yeah. run of the show. But yeah, it was, I love that experience. And, um, like I said, I was just begging people to work on it as an extra, and and a lot of them didn't. And I'm like, well, f- shame on you because you missed out. Yeah. Not only on your extra day pay, but you missed out on like just just the I experience mean, of watching watching that set work. Yeah. But but e- even to that, people that were extras on the set, and I will say this to anybody wherever you're at that is going to be an extra somewhere, do not bitch about it while you're on set. You are getting paid for. Yeah, 12 hours of sitting around for the most part. Fucking absorb every second of what is happening on that set. Yeah. Because you will learn more about being an actor, about being a filmmaker, than you can ever imagine. And when Brent was on the podcast, he actually mentioned how he didn't go to film school. Because he looked at it as, I can pay and, you know, go through and get this education, or I can get paid and get an education. Right. And look at everything that he's like. I mean, he works nonstop. Yeah. And I mean, he's made an entire massive career out of it. And that's, you know, speaks volumes. And it's because he wanted to learn on set. Well, and I think like, I mean, because I worked with a lot of the extras on that one in particular. And, and I, I help out, um, been helping out on like Andy Mack and um, other shows with like the, the extras mm-hmm. casting. And for the most part, you have some really great people yeah. that, you know, once in a while you'll get your bad egg, right? But, like, on Mosaic, I mean, I mean, there was times where they had to be out in the cold for a long time. And, yeah. And they, and so we would see a and lot of the same people. Cold. It was cold. <laughs> but there were some really great people. And, and I think um, the respect has to go both ways because a lot of times you see the extras just get treated like garbage. Yeah. And, and I hope they, I think they all had a really great experience on that set. I think... I think um, the level of respect was there for them, you know, and their importance of, of the job that they're there to do. But definitely, yeah, you get on the other sets where they're yeah. 
And, and, and if they're not the treated well, mosaic, they were everybody was treated very well, and yeah. it was a well-run set. But there were still those that like you'll get the when one they would two, cut yeah. that would like be up at the bar and they'd be complaining, <laughs> and I was just like, shut up, like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, You're- I'm a PA on this. You're in front of the camera. You be grateful. But I will say this, though. I can say, technically, I was directed by Soderbergh because the first day, um, first day of the whole shoot, they had to do, like, some lens and cameras tests. And so they pulled me in to do this, nice. to be the stand-in. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this moment right now. <laughs> so cheesy. Yeah, the, the, the first, like, three times they rolled... I was so glad that they were shooting like the opposite direction because I know I was just like standing there just like, I know So this is happening. And it's funny because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening that like, well, if we have any listeners left, <laughs> um, I'm sure they're like, you know, there's always like the, the people that have, that work on every side and they work with all the famous people and whatever, yeah. whatever. But like, you know, we don't have a lot of that here. And also just for me to get into the opportunity to be a PA on that particular set, like I waited, like I started doing PA work in 2008. It took me until this show to break into that level. Like it is not easy to break into. No, not at all. Like you, it is who you know and pretty much nothing else. Yeah. It is all about so networking if you're once not, you get it. Yeah. So Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, I would say networking and, ha- and having a good attitude because it is 12 to 14 hour days. Like mm-hmm. it is, they're long days. And as long as you put in, put in your day's work and go above and beyond and have a good attitude. Yeah. That's what, that's how you've continued to get work. And that that's how, that's how well, Brent's always love, been able to work. And so many. I love crew. Yeah. Like I love, I love meeting crew members. I love reconnecting with old crew members I've worked with before. Like, I mean, the transport department is one of my favorites. I, I mean, the grip and all that. I, I just love them all. Like, and I'm kind of that dork. I'm such a dork. But I'll just go around and make buddies with everybody. And, um, and so when I'm, like, on a set as an actor, and then there's, like, that divide. Like, the crew doesn't know you at all. And I'm like, but, but, but wait, I know what you do. Like, yeah. I, I get it. And it's hard for me, like, on both sides. Like, when I'm, when I'm crew... I'm like heartbroken because I want to be an actor, but I'm loving the crew side. Right. And then when right. I'm an actor, I'm like, I'm over the moon stoked. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world. But then I'm like, but oh, I want to go pal around with the crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's just a great overall environment and it's, it's something yeah. that we're, that we're lucky that we get to be, that we get to be a part of. Very lucky. Very, very lucky. I, yeah. So, um, I mean, we, we we can't we can't not talk about it as we kind of wrap up here. But Hellskate. So so, so l- l- let's let's talk a little Hellskate. I mean, tell people or as what I it like is. to say, the working title Hell's Cunt, <laughs> because this project has been a pain in mine. Um, so Hellskate was um, I I played roller derby before I got into acting, and uh, after I did Sex Doll She Pitch, I was you know, in that slump when you get done filming. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that was so great. I loved everybody. And it was like around Halloween and I don't know. I just put the t- like horror film, roller derby. Oh my God, that's a perfect thing. And so it came, it came to my mind in 2008-ish. And I've been, you know, kind of slowly, ever so slowly working on it. But um Ultimately, right now, where we're at, I mean, I know I did a big push. We did it. We did it in Egogo back, like, God, it's so long ago, like four years ago, 
That's so embarrassing. But um, we raised like 14000 and we, we did a prequel comic book, and, and everything was really great. We were getting like worldwide um, attention from it, and everything seemed to be going like amazing. But as you know, <laughs> there's always those bumps in the road yeah. that come up. So for whatever reason, um, it kind of it slowed down a lot. I've always it's, it's always been being worked on, but it's uh, something that's like I'm super passionate about. And ultimately, the script just wasn't ready. Like if I if I get rid of all the other excuses and all the other hardships and all the other drama that has been involved in it, um, ultimately the script just wasn't ready. Um, and the story comes first. Right. If you have a shit story, don't waste anybody's money making it. Yeah, you know? and, that, and and sometimes it's hard to admit that sometimes when it's mm-hmm. your when it's your own. And the, there was one that uh, there's a short that Austin and I wrote probably about a year ago that we haven't done anything with mainly because both of us have just been so insanely busy. Yeah, but we we finished the first draft. We're like, all right, let's let's, re- let's do a read through of this, and so. We uh, we actually had Jesse over uh, to read it to read it with us after we had shot something, and as soon as we'd made it through the first act, we we're like, "This is not ready." We had just jumped through the first act, yeah, and like it wrapped up nicely because I mean, luckily we had structured it out. We knew where the story was going, but the first part was just so much of it was like, it was just kind of mind vomit on the page. Yeah. We we're like, yeah. "No, we have to we have to fix this. We have to draw this out more." Yeah. And and sometimes it is like yeah you have to look at the story and say it's just not there it's just not there and, and be able to be honest with yourself and you know like it just it, a lot of it was like I'm just like this neurotic mess and um I just wasn't I had this great group of writers um they didn't work together but individually they there was about four or five writers that had taken a crack at the script you know because I just was like. I'm just not feeling it. What about you? Like, what's your take on it? You know, and, and, and I, God bless these people because I probably would just put them through writer hell. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But, um, they all like contributed something that, that, that was important to the script. And, um, I don't take their work lightly at all. And, and so now, um, now it's, it's almost there. It's super Excellent. close. And I know I'd reached out to you to do a table read. And then, yeah. and then I um, talked to a couple of people, new people, and I got some, I got the feedback. I finally was, I was finally just kind of like needing, you know, I knew uh, there was, there was hangups in the script that I just couldn't, the people around it, they weren't catching it or weren't seeing it, or they just didn't think it was like, you know, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, but there was something in my soul. Like I was like, this is not there's something wrong. Like there's something wrong with the story and I'll be damned if I'm going to go get a million bucks and like yeah. <laughs> shit it down the tubes. Right. So, um, I finally got somebody, um, to take a, take a pass at it. And she's really given me some great insight and nice. some, and so that happened right after I'd reached out to you. <laughs> so I knew you had told me though, even when you reached out, you're like, might be a little wild, but yeah, just, just feeling Put a pin in it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, so so yeah, it's super close. It's super close awesome. to passing along to you and like you giving me your feedback and and then we'll then I'll pick it up again and and you know, I'm looking for I I have a handful of directors that I want to I kind of want to shadow direct um but I need somebody that's like that knows. Yeah. directing a feature, right? 
Um, and so I'm kind of, I have a handful of directors. I'm kind of like, you know, swirling around in my brain, seeing who, who would be great for it. And then, um, like if there's any like really cool producer types out there that like to find money and like to stay on a project <laughs> from like development through, through post-production, through marketing and distribution, <laughs> that would be great. Like, yeah. let me know. <laughs> So, but yeah, we're doing that. And then, and then Chris Bodily, um, is my artist for the comic oh, book. He's and, a fantastic artist. Oh, I love him. And so he, um, you know, we've been working on, on here. You should have him on I here. I him on here. Yeah. You need I, to I always see all of his stuff at Comic-Con. I'm mm-hmm. just like. I love oh, working with him. I love, and we actually met through, <laughs> I originally hired him to do a, a like anti-dolphin slaughter poster. Oh, really? Yeah. And it like kind of went viral around. So like, that's how I first met him. But, and I've stuck with him ever since. He's awesome. great. I love him. But yeah, we're kind of working on a comic book. Um, we're going to do like a, a four part series of the movie. That'll be cool. But now that it's going through some little necessary changes, yeah. I've got to put a pin in that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that we were finally able to do this. I, yeah, thank you. I, I've, I've, I've had you on my, my list of people to, to have on for a oh, while. Oh, really? And I was like, when you called, I'm like, I don't really feel very relevant. I don't really know <laughs> what the draw is here. <laughs> But thanks. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've wanted to have you on for a while. And when I was kind of going back through, I was like, I kind of need to. I was in a slump after Comic Con after losing an episode. And I was just yeah. like, I, I, need, I need to get the I need ball Sana to again. come in here and make me feel better. And so I was like, I was like who, who are some good people I can have come in? And I was like, Sana's been on my list forever. Oh, so, cool. That's nice. So, Thank you. So yeah, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you made the trek down from, from Ogden. It ain't nothing, man. <laughs> it's fun. I love, I love just like hanging out with friends and talking. It's yeah, cool. it, it, it's always a good time. Uh, where, where can people find you on social media if they want to give you a follow? Um, Instagram, I'm at Disco Bliss. Um, uh, there's Sauna Foley on Facebook. And then um, there's Twitter, Sauna Foley. Excellent. You, or you there's like hellscapemovie.com, which I haven't updated for a while, but <laughs> I mean, whatever, it's there. <laughs> awesome. Well, again, thank you for coming down. And, you know, I, I, I look forward to kind of seeing where, where Hellscape goes. And awesome. I look forward to your feedback. Yeah. I, I, I look forward to giving it. So. <laughs> Don't be a dick. <laughs> me, be, be honest. Me be but, a dick. Okay. Be a dick. <laughs> I love dicks. <laughs> That's the best way to wrap this up. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. <laughs>